this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. If you've got a thirst for knowledge that never quits, Brightside podcasts are just what you need. Whether you're into recent discoveries, space exploration, true stories, or useful tips for self-improvement, psychology, gadgets, or just your day-to-day routine, there's something for everyone. Airplanes may be a marvel of modern engineering, but unless you're flying first class, it isn't what most people would call glamorous. For many, the biggest problem is how crowded airliners can get. But, believe it or not, there was a time when flights rarely left more than half full. How is this possible? Well, I think it all depends on your optimism. I mean, is your jet plane half full or half empty? Well, anyway, our story begins long ago in the Aquarian age known as the 1970s. Ah, it was a time when the lands were overrun by roving pairs of bell-bottom jeans. Ooh, and let's not forget about the platform shoes. In this mythic era of flare denim, air travel was strictly controlled by the federal government. The Federal Aviation Administration, the government body that regulates air travel in the U.S., had complete authority over what routes airlines were able to fly. The FAA also had the power to control the ticket prices and other fees airlines charged their customers. The only area where airlines had nearly complete autonomy was in how many flights could depart on each route per day. With no way of expanding their reach or competing on pricing, airlines needed to find another way to stand out from the crowd. The solution they all came up to was accessibility. It might be hard to believe in a world where you must book your flight months in advance, but there was a time when you could simply drive to the airport on a whim and go almost anywhere you wanted. Did you still manage to miss your flight? Eh, Don't worry, because you could simply trade your ticket in for another at no additional fee. What? And don't forget, when you got on your plane, half the seats would be empty. If you were lucky, you might even get the whole road yourself. Just imagine, no more people squeezing past you, elbowing you in the side. Think about the next time you're stuck between two snoring passengers as an 8-year-old river dances on the back of your seat. Now, it's hard to make unlimited legroom sound bad, but all that extra space came at a price. And I mean that literally. When airline fees seem to be getting higher and higher, that's not the case when you adjust for inflation. The average price of airfare in 1979 was about 600 bucks in today's money. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Compare that to 2015, when the average price was only about $385. Now, those figures only look at ticket prices, not additional costs like baggage fees, 
But that's still a difference of more than $200 per seat. It turns out that all those extra flights were cutting into the airline's bottom line, and they were passing that markup on to you. Personally, I think shelling out a little extra moolah is a fair trade for some elbow room, but that's just me. I suppose if you really wanted an increase in airline real estate, you could pay extra for a first-class ticket. But more than doubling your airfare might be a little too extreme. Hey, what do you think? Let me know in the comments if you prefer the cheap seat and coach, or if the extra legroom is worth the added cost of a first-class ticket. And uh, if you're going first-class, you want to bring along a friend? <laughs> me? Two things brought an end to these Halicon days of ample knee space. The first came in the form of relaxed FAA regulations. While modern air travel isn't exactly the Wild West, from 1978 on, airlines had much more freedom in how they operate. Free from price controls and restricted routes, costs fell as airlines struggled to undercut each other's prices. These effects weren't felt immediately, only 1-2% every year. Still, these discounts started to add up over time. Unfortunately, planes are just as expensive to operate as they'd been before the deregulation. Lower prices came at the cost of being packed in like sardines. The second significant change was a technological one. In the analog world of the 1970s, there wasn't a whole lot companies could do to adjust prices on the fly. Sure, when you bought your ticket might affect the costs, and flying first class was obviously more expensive. But a seating coach was a seating coach, as far as airfare was concerned. This is no longer true due to one thing, the algorithm. Hmm, there was supposed to be some lighting and dramatic music when I said that. Let me try again. The algorithm. Yeah, that's better. Anyway, modern airlines have entire departments dedicated to writing the code that goes into determining the price of an individual seat. From just a few pricing categories, airlines now offer dozens, and the fees are constantly changing to ensure the maximum possible booking on every flight. Airlines have also taken to adding more seats to each plane, and regularly selling more tickets than they have seats. The idea behind deliberate overbooking is that a certain percentage of passengers are going to miss their flight or cancel last minute. That leaves them with empty, unprofitable seats. By overbooking, they guarantee that planes take off with as close to a full load as possible. The side effect is that sometimes more people show up than expected, and someone ends up getting left behind. How many of us have wound up stranded at the terminal due to overbooking? Even long-distance overnighters seem to draw a pretty big crowd. Overcrowding isn't the only reason why some people might be nostalgic for a previous era of commercial aviation. Seats have been steadily getting smaller to cram more passengers into the same space. Meanwhile, extra fees have been getting larger and more numerous. Prior to 2008, no major airline charged passage for the first check bag. When American Airlines first began charging a $15 fee for the first check bag, people thought they'd lost their minds. Now, you'd be hard-pressed to find an airline that doesn't. Airlines can get away with this, in large part, because of how few of them are left. In the year 2000, the United States was home to 10 major airlines, a number that has been slowly whittled down to just 4 by 2017. With these four dominating well over 80% of the market, there aren't many places for customers to turn. Sure, there are plenty of regional airlines good for short hops from city to city. 
But if you're looking to fly cross-country or internationally, options are limited. Depending on where you are and where you're going, you might not even have a choice at all. Still, there's one bright spot to modern air travel that I haven't touched on yet, and that's the environmental impact. All those extra flights that airlines used to schedule burned a lot of jet fuel. While the 70s may have been an excellent time for airline customers, all those extra flights weren't exactly healthy for the environment. While Peter Piper is packing more passengers into fewer planes might not be what anyone calls a good time. It had the unintended but 100% positive side effect of reducing the pollution airlines produce. That's terrible news for any Captain Planet villains in the audience, but great news for pretty much everyone else. Boy, that's a dated reference, isn't it? Well, come to think of it, so am I. Now, we probably shouldn't give these big corporations too much credit for going green by accident, and in a way that makes them more money. It doesn't really excuse or even explain everything else airlines do in the name of the bottom line. Still, it's something, and who doesn't like ending on a happy note? I like B-flat myself.